This message is brought to you from Calon Church. We pray it encourages and inspires you. Thank you, thank you. What a privilege to be here this morning. You know, as I travel all around, what is so amazing, God is building His church. And I think there's something exciting happening in Wales at this point of time. So bless you guys for what you're doing in this part of the world. I always use the illustration like they did in the Old Testament. You know, each part of the tribe had their wall to build. And we're building in our part of the world, you building here, but together that wall's strong because we're linked together. So God bless you. Great being here this morning. Took me a week. I left last Sunday morning (laughs) and I finally made it. Well, uh, my wife planned to come, but for various reasons she couldn't. I've got one wife, got two, two daughters, a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old who thinks she's 10 as well, as they do. Uh, interesting fact, my wife comes from a little, little town in India called Shillong. If you Google it, you'll get the whole story, S-H-I-L-L-O-N-G. It's high up in the Himalayas, a little town, and I, 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 I say this everywhere I go because it's it's so encouraging. The first missionary to her hometown, and you think, I think you'll know where I'm going with this. The first missionary to her hometown, high up in the Himalayas, in the early 18th century, was a Welshman from Eberwale, Thomas Jones. Had to be a Thomas and had to be a Jones <laughs> from Eberwale. He was 21, got married, and, I, and his honeymoon was in Shillong. Okay, in other words, he believed that the Lord told them to go as missionaries to that place high up in the mountains in, in India. And he, they spent six years. They lost their first child because you know, medical, medical facilities weren't the best in those days. But the work they did in those six years paved the way for the gospel to go into that entire state. Now today, India is a Hindu country. And we were talking earlier of how they're clamping down and persecution and all that happening in India. But 93% of that state is Christian. 93%. Because a Welshman decided to go there in the early 18th century and sow seeds of the gospel. And I believe God is reviving something that's in the DNA of the soil of this nation. And so for us, it's a great privilege, a great honor. We're honorary Welsh, Welsh people now. I don't look like it, but I feel like it. But there we go. Well, I believe God's already kind of set the stage for what he wants to share with us this morning through the songs, through what Philip shared. And I think last Sunday you may have even touched a little bit about, uh, on what I'm sharing this morning. So sometimes God knows why he wants to say something because he, he's a God who works in season. Amen. And I pray this word this morning, it's a simple word, but it's a word that could touch us and encourage us and build us. And I'm going to use the story that we all know. It makes it easy because we don't need to read, read it all over again. David and Goliath. And again, you made reference to that this morning. David and Goliath. And I mean, we used to love that in Sunday school. You know, when teachers didn't prepare for Sunday school, you go to David and Goliath. <laughs> Because every, every kid is fascinated, you know, make them draw something or make them, make them act. And David and Goliath, but I was reading this about a year ago, just reading it again 
and again and again. And I believe the Lord just laid a few things on my heart from David and Goliath that we know so well. And the title of my message this morning, or the word I want, I want us to go back with, is the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Listen, we're living in a day and age, and I've been saying this in our church for the last two, three years. As we come into 2020, we're going to see a rise in the hostility towards the church of God. You know, in your workplace, in your schools, in your colleges, in your neighborhoods, in your families perhaps, you're going to see a a rise against the people of God. But let us realize in the midst of that, we're going to see the greatest move of God at the same time. But the battle belongs to the Lord. Whether we're corporate, individuals, you might be going through something this morning and wondering, Lord, what in the world are you doing with my life? The Lord is simply saying to you, the battle is mine. And five things very quickly that I want to go through from David and Goliath. We know the end from the beginning. That's, that's the advantage, isn't it? We know it ended well. And that's exactly how our lives end. We're the only people on planet earth who know the end of the chapter of our books. We're the only people. It, it says, lived happily ever after. For all of us. You know, that's the fact. And so David and Goliath ends well. But there are five things that I picked up when I was reading it about a year ago that I kind of realized in the context that we're in now, 2020, and what we're going to see happen in the days ahead can be very relevant. And so let me quickly take you through these five things of what we understand from David and Goliath. Let's put the first point up. The enemy always looks bigger than what we think we can handle. Perception. Of course, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you read verse 4, it says, you know, he was over nine feet tall. I don't know if you watched the, the boxing last night, but they were two huge guys in the ring last night, early part of the morning. But he was nine feet tall, wore a bronze helmet and had a bronze coat and etc. Et and if that wasn't enough, he had an armor bearer quite intimidating when you look at that. But what I understand as you read this story, that the enemy, the situation, the challenge, sometimes looks bigger, or always sometimes looks bigger than what we think we can handle, or we can cope with, or the capacity that we have, or the resources that we have. But perception is big in the eyes of God. Because how we perceive determines how we receive. Our perception is very important. I mean, the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word. Um, as, as, as I grew as a Christian, I began to not change that word, but I understood what that meant. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every revelation that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because we can read the word again and again, but till that word becomes life in us, it's not going to produce fruit because our perception as as Paul writes in the Ephes- in the gospel to the Ephesians he says I pray that your spiritual understanding I pray that you would get revelation of your calling your inheritance and the power that you possess in Jesus Christ and David knew who he was in Christ in God in those days the enemy looks bigger a lot of times and if you look at the Bible you know we mentioned again this morning What are five loaves and two fish in contrast to feeding 5,000 people? 
The numbers don't add up. If we, if, if, we, if, if we had to reason in the natural, it wouldn't work because the capacity, the resource of what we have on our side doesn't make sense. But that's what our journey is all about. The challenge before us all the time looks bigger than what we think we can cope or handle with at this point of time. I still remember when God called me to come to the UK. This, this April will make 14 years for us in this fantastic nation of Britain. And I remember when I, I came on the 24th of April, 2006, I came alone because all I came, what came with was a, was a word from the Lord saying, I'm taking you to Britain. I came out of Heathrow Airport with 100 pounds and a bag of clothes. And this is exactly what I did. I came out of Heathrow, I looked up and I said, Lord, this better work. Yeah. That's all. That's all that I had. It wasn't a career move. We were well settled. I was bivocational, working in a multinational company. My wife was working. Uh, we were pastoring a church. And all the Lord said was, I want you to go. Wow. I want you to go. Now, that was one of the biggest assignments he gave us. Not the ministry, but taking that step of faith. Yeah. And in the human mind, the human capacity, of course, we need to know that God said it. We don't run on emotion. We don't run on intuition. We need, to, we need to know God said it. But when God says it, He does it. If God said it, He will do it. If God spoke something over your life, if God said something about your future, if God said something about your destiny, listen, it may take 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever, however long it might take. If God said it, He will do it. Doesn't matter what it looks like. And of course, you know, we can go through story after story after story. When the, when, when the spies went into the land of Canaan, perception. Hey, these, these, these guys are giants and we are grasshoppers. Yeah, yeah. Perception. Yeah, yeah. Perception. That's why the Bible says we need to renew our minds. We're doing a series in, in our church now on kingdom. But 9 out of 10, 90% of what we're talking of kingdom is simply renewing of our minds. To know who we are, what we possess inside of us is the dynamis power of the Holy Spirit. That's where you get the word dynamite, perception. And so the first thing, the enemy, the battle, the challenge can sometimes look bigger than what you think you can cope with. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning thinking, I've got a mountain that I'm going to face tomorrow morning. It may look like a mountain, but David knew Goliath's stature couldn't intimidate him because the battle belonged to the Lord. And I pray that as Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he may recognize that they that are for us are far more than they that are against us. Listen, the battles are perhaps going to increase. Perhaps the opposition is going to increase on churches, on individuals, especially if you're standing for what you believe in. But the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, we had massive opposition the last two years, cases and this and that. And I'm not going to go into detail, but everything that the enemy threw at us, what was amazing, God only increased <laughs> the profile of his church in our little town, Abergavenny, 12,000 people, and the church only grew. Whatever he tries against you, if you recognize that the devil can only bring a perception. Because he knows God is bigger than anything that he can throw at us. 
Number two, very quickly. I'm going to read a few verses. Let's read verse 8. This is 1 Samuel 17. Uh, I'll read verse 8. You don't need to turn uh, to your Bible. It says, David's, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Sounds familiar. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Now look at verse 10. And of course, he, he says, if, someone, if that person kills me, then we'll be a slave. But look at what he says in verse 10. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. But look at what David says in verse 26. David answered the soldiers standing nearby. What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? See, when Goliath was making reference to his enemy, he said, the armies of Saul. He said, the armies of Israel. But David knew this wasn't the armies of Saul. It wasn't the armies of Israel. He said, these are the armies of the living God. The enemy may, will try to engage us in the natural. But David recognized this wasn't a natural battle. It wasn't the armies of Saul. It wasn't the armies of Israel. It was the armies of the living God. <laughs> and every time Saul tried to bring the battle into the natural, they would take it back into the spiritual. Because he knew our weapons of warfare are not carnal. They're mighty. And I believe in this day and age, God is causing us to remember who we are, what we have. And as we begin to stand and operate and, 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 and function out of who He's made us to be and what He's given us, recognizing He's the one. He just needs someone to stand there. He just needed David to stand there. But He was the one doing the battle. He was the one giving the victory. And I, I mean, we can go through story after story after story after story. Let me throw you one story. Because stories sometimes, you know, convey so much of what, you know, we're trying to explain because it's a real thing. This happened many, many years ago. In fact, I don't know if you've seen on Sky, there was a movie recently that was aired called Hotel Mumbai. Okay, now that, that, that's a movie of actually what happened a few years ago. And we were, we were still in the UK, but it so happened we, were, we went home for a holiday for that one week when that happened. And I'm from, I mean, I'm from Goa originally, but spent most of my life in Mumbai. My parents are there now. So we were in Mumbai. Anyway, cutting the long story short, one of the leaders in our church, a young guy in his 20s, one Hindu convert, became a Christian, pastoring one of the churches in the slums in Mumbai. Uh, his sister got a baby. And so they went, he with a few other leaders of the church, friends of the family, went to visit this is his sister and the baby that evening in Karma Hospital. And again, that's portrayed in the movie. And if you Google, you'll get the whole story. So they went that evening to actually visit the new mom with the little baby. Not knowing what was happening after they had gone up. So these guys, 10 people from across the border came in uh, and began to just shoot indiscriminately all across. So two of these guys went into Karma Hospital, two of the terrorists. And they heard gunshots downstairs. These guys were on the second floor. Thomas uh, was, the, was the guy's name, one of our leaders. And they heard gunshots. They didn't know what, who, 
So the immediate reaction, Thomas being a natural leader, was let me go and switch off the lights in, in the ward that they were in because they had about eight different mums and babies and other family members there. But just as Thomas says, as soon as, they try, as soon as he went to put off the lights, these two guys actually barged in to that unit that they were all in. And they lined them up to shoot them. Thomas was first in line and the others were in line. And the guy put, his, put that AK, whatever, 47 or something, to Thomas's head to shoot him first. And he says, I don't know. Of course, we know what that I don't know is. The Holy Spirit. He says, in that moment of time, this guy, Kassab, again, who was, who was the only one taken alive uh, out of the nine, shouted out in Urdu. Urdu is a variant of Hindi because that's the language they speak in both countries. What is your name? Before he shot him. What is your name? And Thomas said, I don't know. And we know what that I don't know is. He says, I shouted back. I didn't shout out, my name is Thomas. He said, I shouted out, I'm a Christian. He said, I don't know why I did that. But now he, I mean, he knew later on, Holy Spirit made him do that. He says, the moment I shouted, I am a Christian, I don't know what happened. <laughs> We know what it is. The guy put the gun down. They went to the third floor and continued their shooting. It's amazing when God, we are filled with God. He causes things to happen. The battle belongs to the Lord. And the enemy will try to cause us to see the natural. He'll remind us all the time, look who you are. Look what you have. Look at the odds that are against you. But David recognized as long as he kept the battle in the natural, he was on the losing side. But he needed it despite his limitations, despite who he was, the boy who wasn't even chosen in the first place. Background of rejection, background of insecurity, background of inferiority complexes. I'll put both my hands up. That's what I was. But God is able to take the broken pieces of our lives and convert it into a masterpiece. And what the world thinks are failures and useless and nothing, God can take us. My story was like the Slumdog Millionaire, if you've seen the movie. That's why when I stand up like this, I think, God, I believe in miracles. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we can ask or imagine. Sometimes you're good at asking, we're not very good at imagining. Begin to imagine that God is able. Begin to imagine when you walk into that situation, God is going to use you, however weak you might seem you are, to demonstrate His power and His glory. And so the enemy will try to keep us engaged in the natural, but David took it back into the spiritual. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb speaks of the finished work of Calvary. And the word of our testimony means I appropriate that in the now. What happened then is now mine in the name of Jesus. Very quickly. Number three. Look at verse 11. I just picked this out while I was reading. It says, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I mean, he didn't even need to flex his muscles. Words. 
are very powerful. And we need to recognize that the enemy will use words. Words. Words in your workplace. Words in your mind. Words from well-meaning friends. And they say, and I, I can't remember the exact stat, but it says it takes about 20 or 21 positive words to erase the effect of one negative word. Wow. That's how powerful words are. Yeah. Words can intimidate, and the enemy knows how to use words yeah. against us. That's why there's that old song, I don't know if you guys remember, Ron Kennelly, when his album first came out, he spoke of words, how powerful words are. And we need to renew our minds, we need to renew our words, we need to renew our vocabulary. We also need to filter what we take in. Because words have life and death, as the Bible says. And all it took was for him to shout out those negative words. Like I said, the enemy is good at disguise, perception. And if we allow those words to get into our spirits, I mean... Being, being in the ministry for, for years, we recognize sometimes people have grown up and are the way they are because of words. Words. Words of defeat. Words of, you're never going to amount to anything. Words, you're not good enough. I remember one of the biggest breakthroughs I had to have as a believer was to unwind some of the words that I had spoken over me as a young child. And I thought I would never make it because when you live on the streets, you die on the streets. You can never think, you cannot dream, you can't go beyond a certain, you know, barrier. And I remember coming into ministry. In fact, I became a, a youth leader by then. And I would go and minister and everyone was so encouraged. But no one knew that on the inside there was turmoil. I was still battling with my insecurities. I was still battling with my negative, I had stinking thinking as they call it. If my boss said something in the, eve, the, the previous evening, Chris, we could have done better, I would go home thinking he's going to fire me the next morning. That's how bad my mind was, like a record player. Round and round and round and round and round. And God had, and I, I, I reached the point where I said, Lord, this can't carry on. I'm speaking to everybody else as a Christian, as a believer. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging others. But on the inside, I'm living a double life. I'm battling this turmoil, this stress. There's everything going on in the inside. So I stood one day near my window. No, I wasn't going to jump out just to tell you straight away. I was just standing near my window to talk to the Lord. And I said, God, I can't carry on with this anymore. Either you take this away from me or I'm giving up the ministry because I can't live with this anymore. And I remember that morning, just like as, as if it happened yesterday. Nothing, no fireworks, anything. But you know when God speaks. Kind of a rhema word hits you like a lightning bolt from heaven. The words that I read a million times before. But that morning, it meant something. Where the Holy Spirit said, He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Boom. Something broke that morning. I was alone at home. And so I shouted at the top of my voice, that morning, I'm never going to be afraid of anyone ever again. I just had to do that. Because my whole life was revolved around fear. Fear of the future. Fear of what might go wrong. Fear of what people perceived of me. Fear of what people were thinking of me. Fear of how I looked. 
fear of how I carried myself, fear about my background. All the people got to know that. My whole life revolved around fear. And God had to break me and set me free. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't know what words you've heard. I don't know what words you heard yesterday about a situation. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. You with me this morning? Just running through. I thought I'd throw this in because when I was reading this, this came as well. Point number four. Discouragement can sometimes come from allies rather than enemies. (laughs) Hey, everyone's like, yeah, we know what that is. (laughs) And of all people, his brother. Verse 28, of all people, his brother. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Listen, thank God David didn't let those words and discouragement from his own brother stop him from fulfilling his destiny. Because sometimes we can get discouraged by our well-meaning fellow brothers and sisters. But if there's one thing I've realized, I'm as capable of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time as anybody else. And so I won't stop what I'm doing because I get discouraged by somebody who's meant to do the right thing and say the right thing. Because we have a revelation that all of us can say the wrong things or do the wrong things at the wrong time. Don't let what people do or say stop you from pursuing God. I mean, one of the common things we find in church life, the moment someone says something, you don't hear from them for the next six weeks. Switch off. Close down. Shut in. Listen, David is an example. He didn't let his closest. Listen, interesting also, I just have this thought. Sometimes God sets that up. Because he wants us to grow. Because he wants us to grow. And so he would allow certain things to happen. I know there have been times in my life, this is when I was growing as a young Christian in India, in some of my toughest seasons, the closest friends that I had, even the pastor that was very close to me, didn't seem to be on the scene. And in that moment, I thought, where where are these people? But somewhere down the line, I realized God set it up so that in those moments, I would have my greatest encounter with him. With him. I mean, I look at, look at Esau and Jacob. When Jacob was preparing to meet Esau, I mean, it was, he was nervous, I reckon. That's why he, he set it up. You know, let's have some gifts in the front. Let's send some family members and I'll go last. Hopefully by then Esau will be a little chilled out. But in that moment when he was all by himself, no one to talk to, no one to say what he's going through, he had the greatest encounter with God. In that moment of time. In fact, when Abraham was taking Isaac, you know, that's a tough story. When you put yourselves in Abraham's shoes, you know, he's about to sacrifice his own son. And in that moment of time, he had to leave the servants. You know, we we sometimes like to have brothers and sisters around us in our tough times, which is good. We need that. That's how God's designed it. But there are seasons and moments in our life he would cause us to walk alone. 
And in those moments, don't let what's happening around us make us bitter. Because we could lose our destiny in that moment of time. The battle belongs to the Lord. No human being can take your destiny away. Ask me, growing up on the streets where there were no odds in my favor. In, in Mumbai, you either need to have uh, money to pay a way around or you need to have a godfather to make a way around for you. I didn't have neither. I didn't have a godfather, but I had God their father. Right. And against all the odds, he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Listen, discouragement can sometimes come from the ones closest. Don't throw your destiny away. Don't hold bitterness. Keep loving. Keep pushing. Finally, the last point. Quite obvious, the battles we face are designed to prepare us for greater kingdom purposes. Of course, again, not reading the passage because of time, but he says, listen, the bear and the lion prepared me to face you today. And I want you to know this. Where you are is not necessarily where you're going to end up. Sometimes we look at where we are and think, is this my portion for the rest of my life? And it can be so discouraging because we're looking at the now. But God in his divine wisdom has one more for every now. I realize there's never an end to the destiny and the call that he has for our lives. Just when we think that's it, there's one more level. Just when we think that's the end of it, there's another assignment. God is not over. It's not over for you as yet. Because God has more. The battle belongs to the Lord. As I close, let me throw this last bit in. We looked at these five things. But the battle hasn't even begun yet. <laughs> the battle hasn't even begun yet. And what it tells me, the preparation is as important as the battle. I put that in my next slide, actually. The preparation. What happens before the battle is as important as what happens in the battle. You can put the next slide up as well. And who knows what God is doing in your life today through the trial that you might be facing this morning. You may think this is the end of my world, but God says that's my process to taking you to the next level that I have for your life. That's why Paul in his wisdom, he said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, counted all joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance be perfected and complete that you may be perfect and in the end lack nothing hey who knows what God's preparing you for who knows what God's preparing you guys as a church for and there'll be ups there'll be downs there'll be trials there'll be tribulations but that will make your story our story becomes our testimony and God uses our testimony to touch people's lives. Thomas went all around Mumbai, Hindu Mumbai, telling his testimony about how Jesus saved him. No one could contend with his testimony. Persecution or not, my Jesus saved me. 
And let me read this last verse and speak that as a prophetic word over you guys as a church and as individuals. This is kind of the last conversation David has with Goliath before he now runs with that sling and that stone. And he says in verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. He used the same phrase again. He goes on and on, I'll kill you, I'll do this, I'll do this. 47 is interesting. And everyone assembled here, he says, will know that the Lord rescues his people. In fact, the words before that, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Ammonford. Our pain, our battle, our trial, ultimately to demonstrate the power of the living God. Because we're living in a world outside that's broken, hurting, paining, confused. Every system outside is beginning to shake. Political, economical, social. And if there's one thing that's the same yesterday, today and forever, it's God. But our battles, I like this verse. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. Not with sword or spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just want to encourage you this morning. Come all the way from Abergavenny one week through the floods. To say whatever you might be going through. Look up. At the end of that road, there is a testimony. At the end of the road, there is victory for the kingdom. Doesn't actually matter how our life pans out. Because sometimes victory in our expectation is not the way God wants it to end. But if we can trust Him, that He knows what He's doing. That our lives today are sold out to Him. And if we've said, Lord, take my life and use it for your glory. In the end, it's victory for the kingdom. He will bring glory to His name. And if I can do that, wow, what an honor. Take my life. Why don't we bow our heads for a moment. Bow our heads for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want you to be encouraged this morning that your story is being written out. In fact, because he knows the end from the beginning, it already has a good ending. All things, all things, all things will work together for your good. For the good that they that love him. And are called, especially in these days, very significant days, very strategic days for our nation. Yes. Lord, I pray we would begin to see with the eyes of the Spirit. Even what we are going through, like David, let us take the battle back into the spirit realm. Let us not comprehend and try to understand in the natural why, how, sometimes the numbers don't add. But we take it back and say, Lord, you know what you're doing. I may not see it fully today. 
but I choose to trust you. This morning here on Sunday, I've come here, I choose to trust you. Not just today, I choose to trust you for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. And together as a church, we don't know where, how, but we trust you together. That what you've begun, you're going to bring to completion. If you put us here as a prophetic voice in this area, Lord, you will bring to pass your purposes. We will slay the giants that come against your people around. Giants of fear, giants of poverty, giants of all kinds of things. Oh, we bless you. Why don't we just uh, take a song of worship? We're not going to call anyone up, but wherever you are, just let go of stuff this morning. Say, Lord, I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. Maybe this morning you're saying, lay it on the altar. Lay that worry on the altar. Give it to Him. was brought to you from Calon Church. If you want to know more, please check us out online at calon.church.